0: He is wonderful. Amen. And our Savior is so marvelous that He helps us to live a Christian life. He helps us to live a godly life. And it seems to be a theme lately that we're talking about godliness and holiness. We looked at it a couple of weeks ago in regards to how to live as a New Covenant Christian. And we looked at it last week as the topic of just holiness. What is it? Personal holiness? How, How do we live it out? And today we drill down and focus on one of the struggles that we have in holiness, the double sin of gossip and slander. Now, if it's your first time with us, our normal practice is to take a passage of the Bible and I open that up and exposit it, and we, we work through books of the Bible over months and sometimes years. And uh, in between those books, though, I like to take a topical view, a doctrinal view, a theological view, and discuss specific subjects. And what we're doing here is a, really a biblical theology of sin, and, of gossip, and slander. And so, over the next couple of more weeks, we're going to be doing these doctrinal studies in the Bible, topical doctrinal theological studies. And then, I hope in September, Lord willing, to jump into the book of Ephesians and pick up the verse by verse exposition once again. Well, today's topic is the double sin of gossip and slander, and I want to start with just telling you a story about Charles Spurgeon and his wife, Susanna. Spurgeon often took a month vacation to the south of France every summer, and uh, his wife would go with him on many of these, and as they were in France, they would tour different places and look at different things. Often they would go over to Italy, and one time they were in Venice looking at the sights, and he writes, we saw in the museum at Venice an instrument with which one of the old Italian tyrants was accustomed to shoot poisoned needles at the objects of his cruel malice. We thought of gossips, backbiters, and secret slanders, and wished that their mischievous devices might come to a speedy end. Their weapons of innuendo and whisper appear to be as insignificant as needles, but the venom which they instill is deadly to many a reputation. I think in that quote from Spurgeon, we see how gossip and slander can sound like something so small. But it's the poison that comes out of that needle once it hits. That can spread and damage us and damage those we love and damage the church we love. Gossip and slander and and the ideas associated with them are mentioned 120 plus times in the Bible. If you just looked up gossip, you wouldn't find a whole lot. uh, Maybe five or six verses with that exact word. In English, if you looked up slander, it would be about the same. But if you incorporate all the words used in the Bible and all the ideas about this topic, you would find 120 verses plus. Gossip and slander have been called the native tongue of the church. It's so common in churches that it's the native tongue of the church, some say. And many people come into religious services every Sunday around the world are indulging in this sin, and there's there's nothing that tears down or destroys more In gossip and slander. Gossip and slander could be said to be the two heads of a two-headed dragon. They go together. They're intertwined. You find them both, usually. When you find one, you find the other. So just to, to open up and look at a passage, turn to the book of James. We're going to look at a few verses to set our minds on this topic and how important it is to control the tongue. I won't be expositing these passages, but I want to read them to you to see how serious God takes this. James 1, starting in verse 26. James one twenty six, and we're going to go over to chapter 3 of James and then chapter 4. James one twenty six: If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Now go over to chapter 3. We'll just start in uh, verse 5. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body. It sets on fire the course of our life, and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessings and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does the fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives, or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. I go to chapter 4 of James and verse 11. Do not speak against one another, brethren. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. The judge of it. There's only one lawgiver and judge. The one who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? God takes these sins seriously. And I'm not addressing this topic because there's a big issue of slander and gossip in the church. But there always is a big issue of gossip and slander amongst Christians. So you don't need to leave and think, there must be gossip going on. Because if you say that, that of course is gossip. But I'm addressing it because it's a common sin. That's why it's mentioned 120 plus times in the Bible. So I've developed a simple outline today as we look through Scripture and consider this. We're going to ask three questions. Three questions about gossip and slander. That's our outline. We're going to try to get, first of all, a definition of it. So number one, what is gossip and slander? A lot of times people call things gossip that aren't gossip. And other times it is gossip and they don't even call it gossip. And Christians are confused. And there's there's some reasons why this is confusing because people teach different things on it. People don't know what to believe. How do we define it? What are the limits? Others want to get around the limits and figure out exactly where the line is so they can stretch it. As a pastor, I'll often hear talk that starts like this. I don't think this is gossip, but... And that's fair because we're confused on it. We need to know what it is. So that we know if we're saying gossip or not. Well, these two sins are so similar, gossip and slander, that they're often just considered to be the same thing in Scripture. There might be some slight nuance, but but they're considered to be so similar that the Bible treats them as both part of the same sin category. And as an example, turn to Proverbs chapter 20. I just want to show you an example of how different translations deal with this. Proverbs chapter 20. At verse 19. We're looking at what is gossip and slander, and I'm saying to begin with, they're the same sin with maybe a slight nuance. And most of you have the NASB, but I'll mention some different translations here so you can see this. Proverbs 20:19. He who goes about as a slanderer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a gossip. You see what he's saying there. The gossip and the slander is the same thing. He's saying that person gossips and slanders. It's the same person. That's the NASB. If you have the King James, he that goes about as a tell-bearer revealeth secrets. Therefore, company not with him that openeth wide his lips. They've actually got that second word that we have as gossip in the NASB, more literal than the King James. Open the lips wide. And the idea is one who spreads around gossip. The ESV. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets Therefore, do not associate with a simple babbler. So there, they use "babbler" to translate the Hebrew word for gossip. The Holman Christian Standard Bible, one that's becoming more popular right now, that version says, "The one who reveals secrets is a constant gossip." So instead of slander and the first one, they they use the word gossip. Avoid someone with a big mouth. So all these translations are are showing that these words overlap. They don't in our English vocabulary. They have some. Some different definitions if you look it up. But they do in biblical language, in Hebrew and in Greek. Similar ideas overlapping. And so that's why we're going to see various words in Scripture. Depending on your translation, depending on what they decided to to put in the place for that word. Various words in English used are gossip, slander, backbiting, tailbearing, a babbling tongue, a whisper, murmuring, and grumbling. So what I've attempted to do here is put together five categories of gossip and slander according to the original Hebrew and Greek and just group them in these five categories. And I've asked Andrew to put them on the screen. So if you're taking notes, you can follow along. Five categories of how we see this sin in the Bible. And you need to ask yourself, which one tempts me? Which one fits me? Which one might I be as we go through this? First of all, the secret agent. The secret agent. Some would call this a spy. The, the Hebrew word in the Old Testament is rakil. And this is somebody who, who convinces us to tell our story to them. And then they go telling everyone else without permission. We think they're a friend. But they're not. Because they're going around spreading the bad news about us. Proverbs 11.13 uses this. He who goes about as a tellbearer reveals secrets. That word tellbearer there is rakil. But he who is trustworthy conceals a man. This is someone who loves to get the dirt on someone so they can go tell others. Christians do this. In the New Testament, there's a couple of Greek words used here. One is psterismos uh, and also katolela. They mean rumor monger, tell speaking evil of others, insulting others. Someone who likes to defame. I read to you the passage that includes both these Greek words. 2 Corinthians 12.20, you remember? We listed it, uh, Paul gets a list of sins there. For I am afraid that perhaps when I come, I may find you to not be what I wish, and may be found by you to not be what you wish, that perhaps there will be strife, jealousy, anger, tempers, disputes, slanders, gossip, arrogance, disturbances. You see, slander and gossip picks up both those Greek ideas there of the secret agent, one who loves to get the dirt on you and spread it around. Or maybe you like to get the dirt on others and spread it around. Peter talks about this in 1 Peter 2.12. but keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. So that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers. Gentiles slander Christians. It's a pagan thing. This type of activity is a pagan idea. It's what unbelievers do. That in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers. They may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. So Peter's encouraging them not to go into the sin that they're accusing you of and actually show them godliness. Because pagans slander one another. Unbelievers slander one another. The second one, after the secret agent, is the grumbler. The grumbler. In the Old Testament, that this, this is near gone. The Hebrew word near gone. It's the grumbler. The, the person who's whispering and murmuring about another person to others. Complaining. He shies away from open conflicts about the person. But he's always criticizing and complaining about others. Grumbling, murmuring. Often in the Old Testament, this word is used when Israel grumbles against God. most common use of it is when Israel is grumbling against the Lord in their tents. Because they're in the desert. Oh, we could go back to Egypt. Oh, we could have all the food of Egypt. But sometimes it's used of people who grumble. Not just against God, but against one another. Proverbs 18.8. The words of a whisper are like dainty morsels, and they go down into the innermost parts of the body. The grumbler likes to, to take these things in, to eat these things, let them go down and affect their heart, affect their insides. They love to hear whispers and spread them around. Grumbler. Also the, the busybody, number three, the busybody. One place in the New Testament where the busybody likes to go around meddling in other people's business. She gossips for personal entertainment and to live vicariously through the stories of others. The Greek word is fluoros, fluoros. This is mentioned in the pastoral epistles. Paul saying that women go around in their busybodies. And he says that's not what they're supposed to be doing. They're supposed to be living a godly life. This is the person who goes from house to house or from friend to friend, just soaking up as much information as they can so they can pass it on to the next person they talk to and the next person they talk to. They're gossips and busybodies, Paul says. Number four, so it's, it's getting almost more serious if we could say that about this sin as we go down the list. Number four is the blasphemer. In Greek, it's just blasphemia, blasphemy. Slander, blasphemy, it's blasphemia in Greek. Matthew fifteen nineteen: For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and slanders. Now usually blasphemy is associated with things we say about God that aren't true. Lies that people say about God. Pagans, unbelievers, Satan blasphemes God. Sometimes in the Bible that same exact word is used when Christians say things about other Christians that aren't true. Ephesians 4.31 Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Don't do these things. These are worldly things. These are satanic things. These are sinful things. 1 Timothy 6.4 He is conceited and understands nothing. He's talking here about people who like to argue and, and dispute over genealogical issues. They like to just argue all the time but he has a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words, of which arise envy, strife, abusive language, it's actually blasphemy in the original Greek, and evil suspicions. Now, why is blasphemy being used here? Because that's what heathens do. They they blaspheme God, and sometimes that worldliness creeps into Christians' hearts, and they blaspheme one another. This is strong language that we see here that he's using the exact same word for people who blaspheme God. They're telling lies about other Christians. 1 Peter 2 talks about this. He says that Christians should put away malicious slander along with all the other sins. Now we get to the last one. Probably the most hurtful one is the backstabber. The backstabber. There's more hate in this one. There's more malice. Often in the Bible, it's just translated malicious gossips. All gossip is malicious, but this one is particularly malicious. The backstabber's goal is to hurt. The backstabber typically spreads lie after lie. It's a smear campaign. Do you know what the Greek word translated malicious gossips is? Diabolos. Diabolos. The devil. It's the Greek for devil. Now most of the time it's describing Satan himself. The diabolos is Satan, the devil. But Paul uses it in, in 1 and 2 Timothy and in Titus to describe those who slander. These are gossips that spread around lies for the purpose of hurting a person's reputation. And that would make sense. Diabolos, the devil, is the liar. He's the slander. John 8, 4. Uh, John 8, 44. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. Jesus says he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. He's telling the Pharisees You're sons of the devil because you're lying. He talks here about Satan. He says he is a liar. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature. For he's a liar and the father of lies. In the Garden of Eden, Satan lied to Eve. He he lied. He promised her that she could have all knowledge. That she would know as much as God. That she would be like God. And Jesus is just pointing back and saying, There is the father of lies. He is the father of lies. And when we gossip, when we slander, when we do diabolos, malicious gossip, we're, we're following in the will of Satan. That's not God's will. That's the will of Satan. Satan loves gossip. He loves slander. The name Satan in the Old Testament actually means the accuser. That's where we get the name Satan from. He is the accuser. He stands before God and he accuses God's people. And he accuses you and you and you and me. For every sin that we do. That's what he does. He, he just accuses us over and over. And so he's a liar. He's lying. He's slandering. And he loves gossip. Many churches end up splitting over the backbiters working in the church. Now gossip, let's talk about what it's not. So there's some uh, five categories of what it might look like based on the word studies. What is it not? It's not speaking out against public sinfulness. It's very common that a public figure will, will go and sin, and then a Christian will say, that's wrong. And someone will say, that you're gossiping. Well, it's already public. You can't gossip something that's already public. We need to speak out against public sin. What is the gospel other than speaking out against public sinfulness that all humanity commits? Something else that it's not. It's not gossip when the elders of a church discuss a, a sheep that's gone wayward, and they pray for that person. It's not gossip even when they're not there sometimes. It's not necessarily gossip. We often think gossip is talking about somebody when they're not there. But what do we often see in the Bible? Example after example of God and Jesus and the apostles and the prophets talking about people who aren't there. Behind their backs, we might say. Jesus calls the Pharisees false teachers and false prophets when they aren't around. Is he gossiping? He tells the church in in Revelation that their false leader was a Jezebel. Was it gossip when Jesus said for believers to tell us, uh, tell the whole church a person's sin in the third step of church discipline? It's not gossip to tell the church, just like Jesus said, call this person to repentance. And here's the sin. That's not gossip. Did Mark get permission when he was writing his gospel? Did he get permission from James and John? Because you remember they they were cited in Mark's gospel as arguing over who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And James is already dead when Mark writes his book. He's not gossiping. Luke told us what people were whispering at the Last Supper. He records Peter's three denials. Why does he record Peter's three denials? Is that gossip? Is that slander? No. 1 Corinthians, by the way, is all about Paul addressing the things he heard about the Corinthian church. I've heard it said. I've heard from Phoebe that you believe these things. And he addresses all of those issues in 1 Corinthians. It's not gossip. I mean, you could go on and on through Scripture, and David, and 1 and 2 Samuel. When Paul and John, are they they gossiping when they name names in their writings? Paul actually names people by name. Stay away from them. I have turned them over to Satan, he says. By name. 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. So what is the definition of gossip? We've studied it, we've said what it's not. The, the best definition i found to summarize all of this is by Pastor Matt Mitchell in his book, Resisting Gossip. It's a good book. We need to get it in the bookstore. Resisting Gossip, Winning the War of the Wagging Tongue. And he says it's bearing bad news behind someone's back out of a bad heart. Or we could say for a bad result. Bad motives. Bearing bad news behind their back and our intent is something bad to happen it's from a bad heart. So it's bad news. It can be, it can be false information. Gossip or slander can be false information. It often is, especially with our English word slander that conveys false information, a lie. It can be something that might have an element of truth. It might actually be mostly true. But if it's 1% false, if it's a half truth, still a lie. Because it's not the full truth. It might be an exaggeration, the bad news that we want to report to others when we gossip or slander. There might be bad news that's going to happen in the future. It hasn't even happened yet. You see this in Psalm 41, where David says, my enemies come and they see that I'm sick, and they go home and they rejoice with their friends. He's going to die. They say, David's going to die. And so David mentions that in Psalm 41. Look at that later. So it's bad news, and it's behind their back. You don't go to their face and tell them this. You don't deal with whatever issue you have. It's behind their back. And let me tell you, with social media people have gotten very bold in their gossip and slander. Very bold. Because it's easy for us to sit behind a keyboard and a screen and say whatever comes out in our mind. We never have to see the person or deal with the issue. And, it, and even amongst Christians, there's fighting and backbiting and slander and gossip on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. People attacking one another. It shouldn't be this way. So it's bad news. Behind someone's back, out of a bad heart. This is dealing with motive. You're not doing it to build them up. You're not bringing out the bad news to build them up. You're bringing it out to hurt their reputation. Where does all bad speech come from? The heart. Proverbs 4.23 Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Whoever you are is coming out from the inside, from your inner being. Jesus talks about this in Matthew 12. Matthew 12, 34 through 37, you brood of vipers. Again, talking to the Pharisees, but hey, when he's talking to the Pharisees, we need to pay attention because he told the apostles, watch out for them. Don't be like them. So he says, you brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of which fills the heart. The good man brings out of his good treasure what is good. And the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Well, I'm a Christian. I'm already justified. Yeah, but you'll show it by your words. You'll show it by your words. In general, when somebody looks at your life, you'll show it by your words, he's saying. And they'll condemn you if they're, in general, all gossip and slander. Ephesians 4.29 Talks about how there is good words and bad words that you can say about others. Ephesians 4 29, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such as a word is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. So the bad heart is unwholesome words coming out. Your motive is to hurt somebody. You might, though, bring up good or bad news, sorry, bad news, for a good reason. The person's fallen into sin and you need another brother to go along with you. So you've got to tell that other brother the bad news of what you're going to deal with. It might elevate to the point of telling an elder in the church because the church discipline has elevated to that point. You have the right motives, hopefully, when you do that. If you want to see what it looks like, Matthew eleven nineteen, 19, Jesus quotes the gossip and slander about him. He says, The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say." They say something about me, he says. That's gossip. Behold, a gluttonous man and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Now he was a friend of tax collectors, he was a friend of sinners, but they meant it in a different way. They meant that he was participating in their sin. That's why he was their friend. And he wasn't, he wasn't a gluttonous man, he wasn't a drunkard, but they slandered him. And they were spreading that around. They wanted to get a crowd against Jesus, so they spread that around. We see this at the end of, Jesus' ministry, he's before Caiaphas. The chief priests and the whole council kept trying to obtain false testimony against Jesus so they might put him to death. They needed some slander. They needed the dirt on Jesus. What can we pin him down on? So they're looking for slander. And even the people who came forward to slander couldn't even be consistent. There's slander against Paul in Acts 21. The Israelites get upset. The men of Israel, they see Paul And it's been gossiped around Jerusalem that he has broken the commandments. And so they call out, Men of Israel, come to our aid. This is the man who preaches to all men everywhere against our people, against the law, against this place, this temple, this Jerusalem. And besides, he's even brought Greeks into the temple and he's defiled this holy place. But he had done none of those things. He didn't preach against the temple. He didn't preach against the Jews. Now, he preached against some of their bad, false theology, but he didn't preach against the Jewish nation. He didn't preach uh, uh, against the law. He didn't bring Greeks into the temple, but they still arrested him. It's what got him arrested, uh, slander. Why do people do it? Sometimes it's because they have different motives. Why do people gossip? Why do people slander? Different reasons. Self-promotion. You know, I feel better when, when I bring somebody else down. Malice, just to be mean, just to be evil. Revenge. One time, Confronted somebody on gossip, and they said, "Well, it's okay for me to do it because I heard you did it." I said, "What proof do you have? I haven't, I haven't said anything about you." And they said, "Well, everybody gossips, so you must have done it. So it's okay for me to do it." So it was out of revenge they thought. Sometimes it's manipulation, it's telling something to others to 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 get others to help you leverage someone. Gossip and slander often used in churches this way to promote personal preferences to the level of doctrine. Sometimes, though, we hear bad news with a good heart, as I said, and we want to help the person. Uh, but we want to tell the truth because that will build them up. That will get them the help that they need. Biblical counseling is often somebody telling us the bad news so we can't help them. And as counselors, we ought not to spread that around, of course. As pastors, as elders, we don't want to spread what you come to us and tell us. You would not appreciate that. And the same, we would not appreciate that. Well, if we wanted to put a slight nuance on it is lying and gossip is the spreading of lies again there might be some truth in the gossip but it's exaggerated it's turned it's twisted there's a little half truth here and that is essentially a lie so slander is lying and gossip is spreading of lies they go together they're intertwined you know the telephone game is that still a game that kids play i was in boy scouts about 10 years old and we went camping and I'd never done the telephone game. but There was 20 or 30 of us around the campfire that night. And the, the guy wanted to show us what happens when kids talk about one another at school. And so we did the telephone game. And the person starts with a with a sentence. And you go around, 20 or 30 kids. And you see how it ends up when it comes back to you. And it was completely different by the time it got back to me. Each child thought that they were saying the same thing that they heard when they told the next person. But by the time it got back around, it was completely different. That's essentially what gossip is. You don't even know sometimes that it's a lie, but it is because it's changed so much from the truth. So I think that's a good definition of what is gossip and slander. It's it's bad news behind someone's back with a bad heart. Secondly, though, what are the results of it? What happens when we gossip and slander? Because sin has consequences. We can't just expect a sin in our life and, and others commit sin when they're talking to us. And there's not going to be consequences. There are going to be consequences. The Bible has a lot to say about consequences. First of all, it ruins friendships. That's a major consequence of gossip and slander. It ruins friendships. Proverbs 11, 13. I think we already read it. He who goes about as a tailbearer reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy conceals a matter. Proverbs sixteen twenty eight. Proverbs have a lot to say on this. Proverbs sixteen twenty eight. A perverse man spreads strife, and a slander separates intimate friends. People who like to gossip and slander have a hard time keeping friends because you tell that person something, and the next thing you know, it's the news all over town or all over church. I grew up in a very small town, by the way, about 2,000 people. And, And it is true in small towns. Everyone will know what you're doing within a few days, especially if it's bad. They might know in a few hours if it's bad. People are listening to the scanners in town just to find out the bad news so they can go and gossip it and call somebody and tell what they just heard on the police scanner. Proverbs 17.9, He who conceals a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates intimate friends. So there's this idea of separating friends. It destroys friendships. It destroys relationships. It can destroy a marriage. So gossip and slander betrays that essence of friendship, that you trust somebody enough You can reveal your struggles, your sins, your temptations. Secondly, it it destroys churches. Gossip and slander can destroy a church. Galatians 6.16, but if you bite and devour one another, what's he talking about? Saying things against people. It could be more than gossip and slander. It could be uh, critical speech, deceitfulness, division. But certainly gossip and slander will be included. If you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. You're just going to devour each other if you just keep backbiting, taking a bite out of one another. Titus 3.10, Reject a factious man after a first and second warning, knowing that such a man is perverted and is sinning, being self-condemned. What's a factious man using? Well, it might be false doctrine, but how does he get it into the church? Usually it's by gossip and slander. It's often used, by the way, to cover up disagreements in doctrine. you ever heard slander about a church? That church is a cult because they're Calvinists. I've heard that slander before. That church is unloving because they do church discipline. There is a slander. There's nothing unloving if they do it according to Scripture. Uh, That church doesn't believe in miracles because they don't speak in tongues. So they must not believe in miracles. Well, we might not agree with the Miraculous gift of tongues today, but it's a slander and a gossip to say we don't believe God does miracles. So it can be slandered about a church, about a pastor, about elders, about members. It's really a deadly poison that can wreck people's lives. Gossip and slander, is evil. And if left unchecked, it'll bring a whole church down. I've I've heard of churches being brought down by this. It's why Paul says in 1 Timothy that a widow can't even be on the list to be taken care of by the church if she's a gossip. Here's a, a a person who's lost their husband and they need financial care in that day especially. And Paul says, don't even put them on the list if they're known to be a gossip. If that's their lifestyle is to gossip. A man can't be an elder if he can't control the tongue. And it specifically says a man can't be a deacon if he or his wife are gossips. Do you really want your church leaders to be gossips, slanders? You come to them with your sins. Help me with my sin. And the next thing you know, Other people know. Everybody else in the church knows. So it it destroys friendships. It destroys churches. And the most serious, it condemns to hell. It condemns to hell. Unrepentant gossip and slander. Condemns to hell. Go to Proverbs 6 with me. And just listen to what God thinks about it. Tell me if you think he's going to wink at this sin and act as if it's not a big deal. Proverbs 6.16 There are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven which are an abomination to Him. An abomination is the things God really hates. These are an abomination. And they really all describe the same type of person. Haughty eyes. A lying tongue. There is the idea of slander. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that run rapidly to evil. A false witness. There's gossip and slander. It's, it's a false witness. Who utters lies. One who spreads strife among brothers. These are abominations to God. He hates those sins. He might say, well, that's an unbeliever. Yeah, but the Bible tells us that believers dip back into the world and indulge those old sins. The old man, you know, the put off which we'll talk about in a moment, put, put off the old. Yeah, believers can do this. And that's why it's in the Bible to warn us not to do it. It's not in the Bible for the world. They're not going to see this and, and obey it. But those of us with the Holy Spirit will look at that and say, please, Lord, don't let me go that route. You hate those things. It's one of the Ten Commandments, by the way, not to bear false witness against your neighbor. It's one of the Ten Commandments. He summarized God did all the law and Ten Commandments, and that's one of them. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Paul lists it in Romans one twenty-eight of pagans. Just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to depraved mind, to do those things which are not proper, being filled with unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil. He's talking about pagan unbelievers. He's talking about all unbelievers today. Full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips. They are slanderers. They are haters of God insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. It's worthy of death. Why is he saying it's worthy of death? Because they are going to get punished by God. They're going to get punished. He's describing what an unbeliever looks like at the end of Romans 1. There. We don't want to be like that as Christians. But it does condemn to hell if it's not repented of. In other words, you're showing a f- bad fruit. You're showing that you're not a Christian. Revelation 22 says, describing this new Jerusalem that's going to come down, this eternal city. Revelation 22, 15, outside of the dogs. So who, who's not in the city? Who's not in the eternal heavenly state? Outside of the dogs, the sorcerers, the immoral persons, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices lying. Remember, slander is lying and gossip is the spreading of lies. So don't participate in that. It's bad fruit. But First Corinthians 6, 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Fornicators, he says, won't be there. Nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate. So there's these lists again. He goes all the way down. Homosexuals, thieves won't be there. Covetous, won't be there. Drunkards won't be there. Revilers. You know what a reviler is? A person who abuses with their language. He's not talking about reviling God here. All these these lists of sins, of course, are against God, but they're also against fellow men, fellow women. Revilers, those who abuse others with their language. Nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. What's that mean? The point is an unrepentant lifestyle of that leads to hell. If, if somebody has not repented of these sins, turned away from them, and they fight them daily, you're going to end up in hell. You're going to end up in eternal punishment. Why, it's such a serious sin. So thirdly, this brings up the question, how do we deal with it? How do we put it to death? How is gossip and slander put to death? Last week I talked about how Paul says in Romans 8, we must put the deeds of the flesh to death. We must mortify them. And I recommended that book by John Owen on the mortification of sin. And he just goes through all these ways in, in his that Puritan book, how to kill sin in our life. Well, here's what Owen says. As we think about this idea of how do we put it to death, Owen says, the seed of every known sin is in my heart. Well, that's an unbeliever God's describing in the Bible. Now, the seed of every sin is there, even as a believer. We could water that seed. We could grow that seed. we could We could indulge it for a little while. We've got to put these things to death. We've got to put it to death. So how do we do it? As believers, how do we do it? You can't do this as an unbeliever. It's going to be pointless. But as a believer, you can, the Bible says. First of all, put off gossip and slander. Just put it off. Colossians 3. Turn there with me. Colossians 3. So whenever I put selected scriptures in the bulletin, that means we're going to be all over the Bible. Many passages. Colossians 3, the first 10 verses, put off and then put on. As a Christian, you can do this. You can stop gossiping and slandering. Praise the Lord. I mean, this is the gospel. This is the good news. That with Christ, we can do these things. We can repent. We can turn away. Therefore, if, this is how he's asking if you're a believer. You can't do this as an unbeliever. But if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Don't don't be thinking and doing the sinful things of the world. Focus on Christ. Focus on His Word. Focus on Him. Put put off these things is what He's going to say down here. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. You hear gossip? You hear slander? You are tempted to do it? No, no. Set your mind on the things above for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You're not owned by the world. You're not owned by Satan. You're not even owned by yourself. You, you're dead to that. You're now alive with Christ. You belong to Him. When Christ who is our life is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. Do what He says here, not to earn your salvation, but to live it out. Live out the salvation that you've already been given. Live it out, and you'll be there with Christ when he returns. Therefore, consider. Here's how you do that. Consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality. So he's going to list all these sins that that are defining the world. Immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. But it's because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked. This is your old life as an unbeliever. And when you were living in them, he says... You, you walked. You lived like that. But now things are different. Now in Christ things are different. See that in verse 8? But now you also put them all aside. Take off those dirty clothes and throw them aside away. What kind of dirty clothes? Anger, wrath, malice, slander. There it is. Slander and abusive speech. This idea of reviling, of trying to hurt someone with your speech. Put them away. Put them off from your mouth. Don't lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices, and have put on the new self. This has already happened when you were saved. You put away the old, and Christ put on the new, but you've got to now strive for holiness by continuing to put off those sins and put on Christ. And what happens when you put on the new self? That's the new self that's being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. So it's a way of saying, put to death those old sins, throw them away and follow Christ and seek him, study the word, ask him for help, put off gossip and slander. Secondly, secondly, refuse to hear it. Just refuse. You know, somebody comes up to you and you say, well, I couldn't, I couldn't help. They, you know, they, they were saying it, I didn't think it was true, and it sounded like slander, it sounded like gossip. You know, I was going to be rude to walk away. Proverbs 26, starting in verse 20. For lack of wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no whisper, contention quiets down. Like charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a whisper are like dainty morsels. We've already seen a similar verse, right? The words of a whisper are like dainty morsels that go down into the innermost parts of the body. Or refuse to hear it, in other words. Don't listen to the gossip. Don't listen to the slander. Walk away if you have to. Change the subject. Change the conversation. Various ways you can refuse to hear it. Tell them to stop. Sounds like gossip to me. Sounds like slander. But the proverb here is saying, if you add fire to that by listening, by giving your nod of approval, by agreeing when you don't even know if it's true or not, that's adding fuel to the fire. Nothing fuels a slander or gossiper more then agreeing with them and talking about it and fueling them up. They love it. Proverbs 17, 4. An evildoer listens to wicked lips. A liar pays attention to destructive tongue. You see what that one's saying? Listen closer. An evildoer listens to wicked lips. A liar pays attention to a destructive tongue. That's saying that you actually are sinning by listening to it. If you know that person is saying something wicked, if you know they're saying something destructive in the form of gossip and slander, you're actually in sin just listening to it is what it says. Proverbs 29, 19. He who goes about as a slander reveals secrets, therefore do not associate with a gossip. And that's clear as day. Do not associate with them. Just don't. Every time someone gossips, they injure at least three people. The person speaking is injured by sinning. The one hearing is injured. And then the one being gossiped about. So you're in that little triangle whenever you're listening, when you're paying attention, when you're accepting it. But instead, refuse to hear it. Thirdly, redirect it. You might do all of these, or a combination, depending on the situation. Redirect it. Jesus was very clear about these issues. Matthew 18. If your brother sins, go. Show him his fault in private. If he listens, you've won your brother. You have an issue with somebody, go straight to them. And point it out in the Bible. Point it out in the Bible. Don't say, you know, I think I heard someone said. You no, know, you have sinned. You have sinned against me, maybe. you sinned against the church. Go to them in private, it says. Have you spoken with them about it? I have to say that sometimes as a pastor, as elders, we have to say that. Someone isn't quite sure what to do, maybe, or they just want us to handle it. Hey, uh, you need to speak with so-and-so. I saw this and I heard this. And you know what the question that I'm going to say? Have you spoken with him about it? Unless it's public, unless it's a false teaching that's spreading or a division that's already happening in the church, you need to go to them. So you hear gossip, you hear slander, redirect it. Tell the person, have you gone to them? Have you gone to them and followed the commands of Jesus in Matthew 18? Fourthly, rebuke it. not even going to quote the scriptures because all of the New Testament is about this. Rebuke and correct. That's what the Bible is for, actually. That's what discipleship is. Part of it is rebuking and correcting others. And part of it is showing them the right path once they've turned from that sin. Set your mind on things above. What are they? Let me show you. Biblical counseling is somebody who's really struggling to deal with these problems and they need somebody to sit down with them and help them through this. Putting off, putting on. But a biblical counselor will also rebuke. Much of the sermon is rebuke. Not against any one specific person, but the sin in general that can be amongst us. Admonish them. Show them where it's wrong, according to Scripture even, if they want to argue. And correct them. Rebuke is saying, stop, don't do it. Correction is saying, Turn this way and now go this route. Turn around and go this way. And then lastly, question it. Again, you might do a combination of these. But the last thing you want to do is question it. Here's some questions you might ask in your mind. How certain am I the facts were correct? Sounds like gossip, but do these facts, are they correct? Do I even know what I'm hearing? Is Is this truth? Another question, was this given in confidence? Did someone tell you this in confidence? Now there's times, there's times when a counselor or, or an elder will, will have to break that confidence because it's that serious of a sin. It needs to be addressed by more than one person. But if you're not in that position, you have to say, do I even need to hear this? Is is, is that given in confidence and now if someone's telling me the original person did not want this to be told? Again, if it's a, if it's a sin, that they're unrepentant of, and step one of church discipline has gone through, step two has gone through, will you take another one with you? It's time to tell somebody about that sin. But you're just hearing it. Is this given in confidence? Another question, is this important enough to share? I've heard, or I've seen, or I've witnessed something. Should I even tell somebody else or not? Should I? I mean, it's bad news because this was a sin. But am I going to do it with the right heart? Should I tell someone else? Is it important enough? You know, you can't just say, you know, I I saw that deacon and he looked really prideful today when he came in, you know. He just got his cup of coffee and he looked very prideful when he did that. Is that important enough to go tell somebody about? Are you even involved or responsible for someone that's involved in this? You know, you're hearing something and you haven't had time. You didn't even know it was gossip until it was too late. Are, Are you even involved or responsible? Sometimes we are responsible. You know, our kids get into trouble. We're responsible for them. We might want to know what happened. So someone might tell us with a good heart, with the right motive. And also ask yourself, can I help? Can I even help? It's been said if you're not part of the problem or part of the solution, you probably don't need to know. If you can't help them, then why do you even need to know? I'm going to pray for them. Well, be very careful with that. You know, sometimes we want to know juicy tidbits When we say so, we can pray for them, but we don't actually pray for them. One more question. Am I telling this, when I tell someone else about certain bad news that I hear or see or witness, am I telling this to help build up or to help protect others in Christ? Is there a good reason for me to tell someone else? Is there a good reason? Somebody's teaching Mormonism in the church. Elders might need to know. That's helping that brother out because he's spreading false doctrine. You know, somebody slipped up, said a bad word one time, and you were visiting with them. Probably not important enough. You're not protecting them by spreading that around. So what's the point? Gossip and slander is a great sin. They're really combined. They're two heads of the same dragon, and the dragon being Satan. He loves gossip. He loves slander. And you need to remember, though, even though we've all done this problem, at some point in our Christian walk, there's forgiveness. There's forgiveness in Christ. It's, it's not all bad news that I'm reporting to you today. There is forgiveness for these sins. There is forgiveness. As a believer, 1 John one nine, if we confess our sins, if we confess it to the Lord, He's faithful. He's righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's written for the church. That's written for believers. If we have sin and gossip and slander, we can confess it to Him. And he's faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins. We want to work on these five ways here. And maybe even some more you can come up with. But let's confess it to the Lord. He can forgive us. But as an unbeliever, you have to turn from these sins. You have to turn from the sins and look to Christ. So that you can put these off. So that you can put on Christ. I mean, these are one of the sins that he died for on the cross. He died for sinners that are gossipers, that are slanderers. When he died for his people, these were on the list of sins that were forgiven. When we, The moment when we accept Christ. It was accomplished on the cross. It's applied when we believe. So what's the point as an unbeliever? You have to believe in Christ. You have to turn from those sins. If you think gossip and slander is bad in the church with believers, How bad is it in the world? It's horrible. In the workplace, in the family. Turn from your sin. Come to Christ. He can forgive a believer with their ongoing sin, and he certainly will forgive an unbeliever who comes to him in faith. That's the gospel. No matter what sin, no matter what we've done to other people to hurt them, we have forgiveness in Christ. Father, we do pray that indeed you would forgive us of the sins we've committed Many times we've heard gossip and slander and not dealt with it properly. Other times we've been part of the problem. We've committed the sin. We have gossiped or we have slander. But we have found out later what we said wasn't true. Convict us, Lord. Move our hearts. Help us to seek Christ, to turn to Him, to come to your throne through Him. He is our advocate. He is our high priest. Lord, we repent of such sins. Help us to be a godly people, individually and corporately. Let us see the sin of gossip and the sin of slander for what they are. And seek to put them off and put on Christ every day of our life. We pray that you would be gracious and merciful to give us these things. In the name of our Merciful and gracious Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.